sure all the music's completely killed. All right, let's go ahead and pray and dive into this word. This is really an important word connected to to um, intercessors. So this is really, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was going to fall like this on intercessors when I got this sermon. Let's go ahead. All right, so Father, we thank you. We agree together over the word of the Lord tonight that you'll come speak through me and let everything be accomplished through this time that your will to be done. Lord, we pray the anointing and the glory that the presence and power of God be so strong in this word that everyone listening to it by the Holy Spirit will have the grace to be able to give you our best ear, our full attention, that our, our minds are able to kind of lock into what you're speaking to us. We're not distracted. And that you would anoint our eyes and ears to be able to see and hear and understand everything that you're speaking. The Bible says over and over, those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to have that tonight, Lord. Let your word go as living seed sown in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Spirit, and will grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal truth, uh, eternal fruit that remains. And let your light shine forth and dispel any darkness, lies, deception, and bring truth and revelation. And we thank you for it. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to talk about the python spirit, okay? This is actually a pretty serious attack, so I want you guys to really give me your best ear. If you are called to be an intercessor, you need this information, okay? And also, if you're called into any type of ministry to pastor, to oversee, you also need this information because these are things that are pretty serious, and and many ministries deal with this, and many ministries don't know what they're dealing with, Okay. It is connected, Python is connected to uh, Jezebel and Ahab and like religion, religious witchcraft, that type of thing. It functions in that way as a counterfeit, all right? So let me go ahead and just start in with these notes. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, Paul, um, I believe it was Paul and Silas, they were going to prayer, and there was this slave girl that was following them. Can you bring the lapel mic down one notch? There was a slave girl that was following them, and she kept crying out, these are servants of the Most High, telling you how to be saved. Well, I mean, you would think on the surface that this girl, whatever spirit she's of, that this would be good because she's saying the truth. That's what's so deceptive about it. But Paul, over a period of time, I I don't remember how many days or even if it said how many days, but... After this happened for a little while, Paul got fed up with it, turned around and cast the demon out of her. He discerned it was a demon. So let me just read this right here. It says, It came to pass as it went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed by a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain with soothsaying. So this was a spirit of divination. In the Greek, it's called um, python. And I'll show you that. Now look at this other scripture because all this is going to tie in. In 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 38, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now, prophetically speaking, Gilgal in the Bible speaks of like dead religion, so kind of a dry church setting, okay? It says there was famine in the land, and when you have a dry church setting, there's usually spiritual famine, okay? where people are not really getting fed like they need to. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. You never read in the Bible where the sons of the prophets, and then it says something good. (laughs) Just saying. All right. The sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, 
Put on a large pot, boil some stew for the sons of the prophets. Then one went out into the field to gather herbs. Another found a wild vine, and they did not know what they were. So here's the thing. These goofy sons of the prophets go out and just start cutting stuff down and bringing it to throw it in the stew. Everybody with any type of common sense knows that not everything out there is going to be good to eat. You know, they're just going out there just gathering everything. And as they took them in, it says they gathered a lap full of wild gourds, and they came and sliced and put them in the pot. They did not know what they were, so they poured it in and, and for the men to eat. And as they were eating the stew, they cried out, saying, Oh, man of God, there's death in the pot. So in other words, something, some mushroom that shouldn't have been in there got in there, okay? And they were unable to eat it, but this is Elisha. Elijah said, look, bring me some meal. So I imagine like some cornmeal or something. And he threw it into the pot. He said, pour it out for the people and they may eat. And there was no harm. So God used Elisha to kind of cleanse the pot, so to speak. So here's the thing. You'll see probably where I'm going with this as I go throughout the whole sermon, but you got to be careful about mixing things. Y'all hearing me? You really do. Um, I don't. I'm going to talk more about this next week. But there's two, there's two ditches on each side of the road. Okay, there's a ditch on the left where you're letting things go on that you shouldn't be going that shouldn't be going on, and your the attitude might be, well, we don't want to be religious, and so. And they're just kind of accepting everything. Does everybody follow me with this? Now, there's a ditch on the whole other side of the road, though, where you have, like, religion and legalism, and everything's really uptight. And the, in the Spirit of God, they don't want the Spirit to move. They're just really uptight and real overly cautious about everything. But you have the whole other side over here where they let everything go on. There's no checks and balances. There's no discerning of spirits. There's, there, there, it's just anything goes. And what happens is, is where you don't properly filter things, you get death in the pot. You get some stuff that's good, but you also get some stuff that's death. And the sons of the prophets were the immature ones that went out and threw death in the pot. They went out and just accepted everything as is. But it took a seasoned man of God like an Elisha that was able to kind of cleanse the pot. You've got to be careful. It's just like Paul if Paul had accepted this lady that had this python spirit, she was fault. this was a move of Satan to try to get a false counterfeit spirit in Paul's ministry. There was no other reason for this to happen. This young girl that's, a, that's a, like a fortune teller type of girl was following them, but she was telling all the people and she had a lot of influence. She was yelling out, these are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you how to be saved. Why in the world would the devil be advertising Paul's ministry? There's only one reason. Because he was trying to get that girl in that ministry where Paul and them would have accepted her as a prophet. And if Paul had not discerned that it was demonic and he would have let her come in, it would have created a, a doorway for a python spirit to begin to wrap around Paul and his ministry and choke the very life out of him. Why? Because there would have been a mixture of what Paul had was from God, but what this girl had was from the devil. And there would have been an unholy mixture there that would have brought death in the pot of his ministry. 
So I pray daily that God just keep us sharp about discernment. I want to be wide open to a move of God. I'm hungry for more of God, but I also want it to be the real deal, and I don't want to counterfeit. And I believe there's a way that we can walk this thing out with humility and wisdom to know what's of God and what's not, okay? So with that said, here's, here's a couple things. Number one, the python spirit. I'm not really a, a Greek guy, but this, I gave you the Strong's number, 4436, and it's pronounced um, puthon in the Greek, okay? It's where we get the word python from. But let me just read you some of my research. It says here that the definition here for this word, puthon, that this, remember it said that this girl had a divination spirit. The word divination is puthon there in the Greek. And it means a divining spirit, earth dragon spirit of python. Called at, look at this, called after the Pythian serpent, said to have guarded the oracle of Delphi at the center of the earth that was slain by Apollo. So this is Greek mythology. This is where they get this from. Apollo is a spirit associated with the Antichrist. You notice that with the Antichrist in the, in the book of Revelation, you always see the Antichrist and you always see the false prophet. You don't really see them completely disconnected. They seem to always be kind of joined at the hip, partnering together. So this is interesting that in Greek mythology, it has this python spirit connected with Apollo just like in the Old Testament, the Assyrian speaks of the Antichrist. In the New Testament, Apollo speaks of the Antichrist. But this false prophet spirit of Python will pave the way for the rule of the Antichrist, the destroyer. The Vulgate, which is an ancient um, translation of the scriptures, okay? The Vulgate describes divination as being connected with pythons or diviners. So a python among the Greeks and Romans was denoted as a person who had a spirit of false prophecy or one operating with a familiar spirit. So this was somebody that had a spirit of like fortune telling, a psychic, somebody that would read crystal balls, tarot cards, uh, read palms, read tea leaves, uh, divining rods, pendulums, things like that. They would use some kind of means to divine information, but it was from the satanic realm, which I'll explain more later. So in other words, to make it as simple as I can, they're getting information, but they're getting it from a demon. They're not getting it from God. And they're getting it from a python spirit. But here's the deceptive thing. Just like I showed you with Paul, a python spirit tries its hardest to pretend to be the Holy Spirit. That's what's so dangerous about the python spirit. It's a python spirit's not going to come in and say, hey, look at me, I'm from the devil. You know, it's going to try to slither in very subtle and whisper in somebody's ear information and try to cuddle up to them. And it's going to pretend to be the Holy Spirit, but it's demonic. There's a woman by the name of Sandy Freed. I've read her books on the Jezebel spirit. Really good. But anyway... In her book, Breaking the Threefold Demonic Cord, she wrote this. She said, during this attack of a Jezebel spirit on our church when, whenever they were in Texas, it says, I sometimes personally felt as though the breath was being squeezed out of my lungs and I feared for my life. 
So the actual manifestation of this spirit in the natural is trying to squeeze the life out of somebody. I believe that this spirit, the reason why I'm preaching on it is I believe that this spirit operates in Dallas. I really do. And interesting that I did not realize till later on that Sandy Freed and them were in Texas, in the Dallas area, when she said these things were happening to her as well. So this is something that, that is trying to suppress the revival. See, Satan knows that there's prophecies over Dallas of a great revival. And Dallas has had great revivals in the past. And I believe that the enemy has tried to set up things in the spirit realm to oppose revival from ever actually taking off. All right, John Paul Jackson stated in his book about the Jezebel spirit, which if, if you've never read that book, I recommend that you buy that book, you read it, and you keep it in your library to go back to. It's probably one of the best books I've ever read on the Jezebel spirit. But anyway, he said the Jezebel spirit uses a spirit of divination, which is the, in the Greek is called python. So he references that how Jezebel uses this spirit. And somebody with a tendency to have a Jezebel spirit, they seem to get information, and they're almost like they're clairvoyant. They get information that they shouldn't have, but they're not getting it from the Holy Spirit. They're getting it from a python spirit. This is where we've got to have discernment. This is where the gift of discerning of spirits should be in every church. Now, by the grace of God, because of the calling on my life and because God called me to marry Sandy and all that, I, God gave me the gift of discerning of spirits many years ago. But I'm just going to tell you, in my opinion, the gift of discerning of spirits, especially in these last days, is one of the more important gifts that we could ask God for. But it's also one of the most misunderstood and, in my opinion, probably one of the most dishonored gifts. Because if somebody with that gift comes along and says, I'm not real sure about all this, there seems to kind of be a mixture there, then some of these people in the revival crowd goes, oh, man, he's, a, he's one of these critical religious people. You see, they're dishonoring that gift. And they let stuff go on. They let death in the pot. So the squeeze, the counterfeit revelation. So when a python spirit's at work, listen to this. Some of you intercessors, there can be weariness, especially in the spirit. Vexation and grieving. Just like Paul felt that, remember? He was vexed in his spirit. He was grieved that that thing was going on. It, it, was, it was oppressing him. It tries to squeeze out hope. It tries to hinder breakthroughs. It tries to hinder finances. It tries to come against people's health. And the life and the presence of God, it tries to squeeze the very presence of God out where it's hard to pray. So here's some manifestations if you feel at times that there might be mental confusion. Like, is this the leading of the Lord? Or is it not? But it seems real confusing. It might be a python spirit. False prophets releasing false words to you. You need to be really careful with these. Because there's people that mean well. But they come up and give a word. Like, you know, let's just say for example. They come up and say, you know, I feel like I saw that you, um, 
you had this major wreck, your car was wrapped around a tree, you died. And it's like, the thing I would tell somebody is, look, I don't receive that word. Um, you know, thank you for whatever, but I don't. I just, I don't, you know. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm not, I'm going to live my full life. I'm not going to have a wreck. God's angels are around me. He's going to keep me safe. But see, here's the way. If somebody really did get something and it was really from the Lord, like a dream or something, the way to present that would be this. Um, listen, I realize that God, I believe God's going to protect you and I'm praying for you, but I did see this just so you could be aware, so you could be praying. That's the way to present something like that. But some people come up and they just speak that over you. You're going to have a car wreck and die. That's a curse. And it's a false prophet spirit, man. It's like, look. All right. Another thing is enemies cursing you with their mouths. People that are speaking against you. Gossip. Witchcraft prayers from Christians I'm talking about. Stubborn health battles. There can be a connection to a, like infirmity and death with Python. Very strong. Literally, you're breathing being affected. It tries to hinder breath. I know it sounds really strange, but it trusts me. There's different manifestations. Like when I've prayed for people sometimes that have had a Jezebel spirit, they've had a really strong pain in the, their lower back as they were being delivered. Other people that had a, a Leviathan-type spirit, pride, they would have a lot of pain in their shoulders and in their neck. Don't understand why. But with Python, it seems to be in the area of breathing, like a difficulty breathing. Stubborn financial lack, ministry hindrances, critical being divisive. Let me tell you just real quick, I'm going to do a follow-up about religion next week, but it's going to be different than anything I've ever preached. But see, religious, a religious spirit in Python and Jezebel work very well together. <clears throat> A religious spirit will function with debating, being critical of others, judging others, fault-finding. And it can be, like, really legalistic. But here's some things about a religious spirit. A person with a religious spirit, y'all hear me about this because I want you to be, be on the guard about this right here. Because Satan might try to attack any of us about this, but... It tries to make your walk with God become ritualistic. Where you're just going through the motions. Like in your prayer time, it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And you do the same thing every day. And it's just a religious ritual. It's not really a relationship. And a lot of churches get in that same rut where they come in and they do the same thing every week. And it's just a religious ritual. Without sidetracking on this too much, that's, that's really the only major problem that I've seen even among the, the Messianic movement, which I deeply love them. Um, but it's, it's going through the same religious ritual every week and not letting the Holy Spirit come in and move, you know. We've, we can't get in that religious rut. You know, you guys know how much I deeply love the Messianic movement, how much I love the Hebrew roots. I mean, surely you've picked up on that by now. But at the same time, as much as I love it, I'm, I'm not going to um, allow that aspect there that many have allowed to get me to become a real religious ritual in my walk with God or in the church. There's still going to be freedom in my personal walk with God and freedom in the church for the Holy Spirit to come do what he wants to do. 
when he wants to do it. It's just like today, you know, the Holy Spirit fell after worship like that. You know, a lot of places would have just been like, all right, let's all calm it all down. Let's just go to the next thing. And they would have quenched the Spirit. But, you know, you don't, you never want to resist like that. You just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. How many knows the Holy Spirit is God? That means he's smarter than all of us. And he knows what he's doing. He doesn't need us correcting him or trying to turn, just let God be God. And a religious spirit also is more caught up on the past than the present. This is a big deal. They'll be really big on, for example, they really love the King James Version, which I'm not against. I like it just fine. But they're really against any modern translation. They'll be really, they'll really love hymns. I don't have anything against hymns. I like some of them. Actually, I like some of them quite a bit. But they don't like modern praise and worship. They're always talking about how God used Wesley back in the day and Finney back in the day, but they don't like the current moves of God. They'll criticize them. It's all about what God used to do. It's nothing about what God's doing now. And when you try to talk about what about the move of God now, oh, well, you know, a bunch of emotional stuff and just everybody's all hyped up. And, you know, it's, and they're always downplaying what God's doing now. It's a religious spirit. It's, it's trying to go revert backward instead of forward progression. I love what God did in the past. We've had a lot of uh, sermons like Brother Zach has done, and we've talked a lot about it. I've preached. I've used a lot of examples. But I want a move of God now. And when God moves 10 years from now, should the Lord tarry, I want to be right in the middle of that move of God too. I don't want to camp out talking about what God did 50 years ago and make some kind of memorial out of it and just sit around and talk about that all the time. Praise God for what he did, and we honor the past moves of God. But I'm not living in the past. And that's a religious spirit. Now, a religious spirit and Jezebel and Python work together. That's why I'm talking about all this tonight. The next one. So, intercessors, just be aware that there is a counterfeit spirit that tries to counterfeit revelation. The Holy Spirit will give you discernment. You'll know but rebuke it when it tries to attack. The second one is this, the spirit of heaviness. This is in the scriptures. You can look it up. But it talks about God's given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. All right, the spirit of heaviness can literally be translated in the Hebrew, breath of infirmity. But here's the way that a spirit of heaviness will try to come. Again, intercessors, y'all need to hear this big time. The spirit of heaviness, again, will try to counterfeit the Holy Spirit and give you a counterfeit burden. Where you feel oppressed and depressed, maybe discouraged and heavy, and it's like a false burden. It's not from God. And that has attacked intercessors in times past. I heard a pastor of a major revival say he was warning that his intercessors got attacked by that. There was a false, heavy, like this heavy spirit that would try to attack them. And it was a burden, but it wasn't from God. So you need to discern. Because see, Satan, what he wants to do is, if he can, somebody's a powerful prayer warrior and intercessor. They're being used of God. He's like, well, we're not going to be able to stop them. We're not going to be able to get in front of them and stop so what we can do is we can try to bring some counterfeit stuff and get them off course. 
And so he tries to bring this python thing to deter them off into some false revelation and put a false burden on them. Next thing you know, the life's squeezed out of them and they're oppressed and they have a hard time praying, so they quit praying because it's too hard to pray. In Lamentations 3, verse 7, it says, um, it was written by a prophet who was completely overwhelmed by a yoke of affliction. And he wrote, he has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. And that word weighed, you guys get this. This is deep, but it's, it's important. That word weighed is the word kabod, which can be translated to glory. See, it's a false glory. How many of you guys have felt the glory of God come on you in prayer and there was a heavy weight of his presence? I felt that so many times. I know many of you have too. Or this is what Satan wants to counterfeit that with a weight, but it's not the glory. It's a false glory, if you will. It's oppressive. And Jeremiah probably felt that overwhelmed to the degree that it was oppressive, he, you know, like a, a false spirit, if you will, trying to weigh him down and put him in chains. So the word there, chain, in this passage is the Hebrew word, nechashet, and it means a sense of ringing. It is compared to the sound that metal makes when it, the clanging of chains. The strong word is interesting because it goes back to the root word, nechash, which means to hiss, that is to whisper a magic spell. So here's the, here's the imagery. You got the red throat of a serpent that hisses, speaking of a lying spirit, lying in wait to strike somebody unsuspecting. So in other words, people don't discern this stuff and it lies in wait to try to jump on them and oppress them. And they're like, man, I felt this weight this burden, I tried to pray it through, and I feel even more heavy now, and, and pretty soon they feel bound with chains. They feel beat all the way down. That's a satanic counterfeit. Does that make sense? So the two things are don't allow a python spirit to bring anything counterfeit to you, and don't allow a spirit of heaviness to come and oppress you. Be aware of those two attacks that try to come against intercessors big time. There was a story back in the day of a of whenever doctors didn't really know what they were doing, okay? And doctors would simply go from one patient to the next and they'd have blood on their hands and all that and they would go from one patient to the next and never wash their hands because they didn't know. And all these different people were getting really sick. And so over time, doctors figured out that when they went from one patient to the next, they really needed to wash their hands really thoroughly. In the same way, we've got to be wise about defilement. There's a scripture that says, don't lay hands suddenly on any man and thus share in their sins. Have you ever thought about this? It's not just the fact of somebody laying hands on you that shouldn't, but it also can be you laying hands on somebody else that you don't, you don't need to be putting your hands on them. Thus sharing their sins can bring a defilement. That's actually the way that it reads. 
we we kind of think of it the other way because I announce every week, you know, only those with badges pray for people. So we think of it in that way. But it actually reads, if you read it in the Bible, don't lay hands suddenly on any man, thus sharing their sins. It's talking about you laying hands on somebody and sharing in their sins like a defilement coming on you. I think you guys know a lot of this. These notes are there if you want to look over them but, um, about Halloween. But I just want to skip down to the main doorways. As we're going deeper in God's presence, let me just encourage you to make sure that you pray over your property and seal off doorways. And what I mean by that is not physical doors and windows per se, but where things would come into your home. Like, for example, I've, I've mentioned it many times, but like your DVR, like your Internet router. Um, when you bring groceries into your home, you need to pray over it. Anything that has access, a point of entry to get into your home. Also, be careful about the company you keep and things that are going on in your home. Keep it to where the enemy is not going to have an inroad to bring some kind of an oppression. We're living in the last days. We've got to be wise. Um, I'm skipping a lot of this, but you can you can look up these notes for yourself. But just skip down to the last part, the dangers of the occult. And then I want to pray for people tonight. You guys already know about defilement. You know these things in here can defile you. Okay, things you do with your body, things you're around can bring defilement. Halloween, we know... If there's a defilement there, okay, it goes back to Catholicism, trying to syncretize or uh, syncretism, bring together Christianity and the pagan, and that's where it came from. Okay, I think you know all that. Um, but the last part here: witchcraft, divination, and sorcery. Witchcraft is the power branch of the occult, where people release spells and rituals and things against you, and let me just tell prayer warriors, intercessors, leaders, those that are going to be doing things for the Lord to be aware of that attack in the spirit realm because it's not like somebody's going to go to your front door one day and knock on it and say, hey, you know, I'm a witch and these, this group over here, we're praying against you and that's, that's not going to happen. Okay? So it's going to be done in secret, but you, but you feel the effect. And so just be aware that, that the enemy does try to do that and destroy those. It, I mean, it's mainly going to target pastors. It's mainly going to target true intercessors and people that are in leadership in churches. It's not, it's not just targeting just any Joe Blow out on the street. It's going to target people that, that are um, being used specifically of God. So if you're being used of the Lord, you're you know going out witnessing, doing different things, just be aware if you feel something coming to destroy that and command to go in Jesus' name. The second thing to be aware of, just divination in general. These are the three branches here, witchcraft and divination. Divination, be wise. Don't get linked up with this stuff, guys. Listen, there's people that you work with, people you go to school with or whatever that are messing with this stuff, don't have anything to do with it. There's the divination branch has to do with like trying to talk to the dead necromancy god specifically forbids that you're not really talking to dead people you're talking to demons that are pretending to be the dead it has to do with anybody that's a psychic or trying to read your palm or anything like that 
Stay away from all of that weird stuff like that, okay? It's satanic, and that's that spirit of divin- or, uh, yeah, divination, which is python right there. Then sorcery is the material branch of the occult where people have objects in their life that's supposed to bring them power, like statues, uh, talismans that they carry for power or luck, um, different books, different chalices, different wands or, or swords or different garments they wear, different things they own that's supposed to bring them satanic power and prosperity or whatever. And that's the sorcery branch, which is also connected to like potions and things that would be um, drank to give some kind of a, like for example, in Africa, a witch doctor might mix a concoction that a woman could get pregnant. Um, Whether, and it may work, but the thing is that it's from a demonic source, you know? And what type of effect does that have on that woman and that poor child? that they're going to a witch doctor for that. All of this is satanic. In the Hispanic culture, it's Santeria. In the African culture, and this goes into New Orleans as well, it's voodoo, black magic. Be careful with this stuff, okay? The Bible says to abstain from the very appearance of evil, whatever that is, and so... You know, even here at this Halloween time, we don't, obviously, we don't celebrate Halloween. It's something dark. But many people don't realize that they're playing around with this stuff. And there's churches that, believe it or not, and it's a lot of times it's just totally fake. They'll have somebody like in the church that goes to church there that'll dress up like Madam whatever and have a fake crystal ball. And they'll they'll have like a Halloween party at their church and little kids come up to Madam so-and-so and she's, pretending to read their little fortune. This goes on in churches. There's death in the pot. Even though it's fake, even though that woman isn't really doing it, it's still defiling that church. It's not right. And it's teaching those kids to go to witches. There's churches that have now children's ministries that will use Harry Potter and other things and they'll try to Christianize it to get the kids interested. You know, it's so ridiculous and it's, it's defiling the church. There's also churches that are goofy enough that they kind of rent out their facility just to anybody. And there's been, this has happened quite a bit, believe it or not, but there's um, churches that will just rent it out. So somebody could go and fill out a form and say on Thursday night from such and such time, such and such, we have the facility. And there's been actually been several times that Satanists have rented a church facility pretending to be a Christian and pretending to use it for Christian means that they went in there and did all kinds of satanic rituals in that church when nobody was there. So these are, these are how churches allow like death in the pot. There's been churches that have had people come in. There was one church... It was an Episcopal church, if I'm not mistaken, that actually had a psychic come in to teach the people from the pulpit. I remember Dr. Cho said many years ago, and I've told this story, but those that haven't heard it, that there was a woman that was given words in his church, and it just happened. I mean, it was just a suddenly she was given words, and he saw her, and there was a line, and she was given accurate information to people. But he didn't feel good in his spirit. And he went home and prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit says she has a familiar spirit. And so he went to her in love. He wasn't mean about it. He just told her, so listen, you're not going to pray for anybody else. The Holy Spirit told me that you're getting this from a familiar spirit. And you need to get that out of your life. Okay? 
and so you can be free from it. Of course, she got mad at it. Instead of dealing with the sin in her life, she got mad at him and left the church and all that. But, but he was protecting the sheep from that spirit. See, what would have happened if Dr. Cho said, you know what, hey, just keep prophesying and gave her authority, gave her permission. What would happen? It would be like Paul accepting that spirit of divination in his ministry. It would have allowed that spirit to come into that church and begin to oppress that church. All right. And then the last thing is this. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking... I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I really believe that right there, that picture of there's a woman there that has like a wedding garment on, but it's all dirty from dirty water. I really believe in many churches, that's what the bride of that church looks like. They've allowed so much pollution, so much defilement in their church. And they don't understand Especially nowadays, there's such a loose attitude about sin in the camp. And they don't, they don't realize that if they're not dealing with it, that it's allowing something really dark and sinister into their church. Remember this. Paul was dealing with, there was a young man that was having sexual relations with his father's wife. So that would be like a stepmother type of situation. And this was in Corinth, okay? <clears throat> And the Apostle Paul got very upset that this was going on in the church. And he told them, it's 1 Corinthians 5, he told them, purge the yeast out. You know, kick that person out of church, don't put up with it. And he went on to say this, he went on to say, I've told you before, that, you know, if you're dealing with the world, that's one thing, because sinners are sinners, and you're trying to witness to them, but... He said, anybody that calls themselves a brother in Christ, calls themselves a Christian, but they're living in sin. They're, they're you know, like sex outside of marriage, or they're, they're a drunkard, or they're a liar and a thief, or whatever. They're immoral. He said, with such a person, don't even eat a meal with them. Don't associate with them. Is everybody catching all this? As this flies in the face, this, this teaching, which I'm just telling you exactly what it says, you can read it for yourself, this flies in the face of a lot of churches today because they don't want to purge the yeast out of the church. They want to let just anybody do whatever they want to do and just entertain people. And then on top of that, as far as associating with Christians that are living in sin, there's no checks and balances there at all. If you're going to get back to being scriptural, we don't want death in the pot, okay, we have to be willing to deal with sin in the camp when somebody's unrepentant sin. Now, everybody in River of Life at one point or time or other, for the most part, has had struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. We all have had struggles in our lives. We had to learn to overcome those things. Amen? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody that's living a lifestyle of unrepentant sin. And you go to them and talk to them, and they're still not going to repent. They're going to continue living in that sin. The Bible says to get that out of the church. And it also says for you and I not to associate with those people. Amen? And if we'll do that, if we'll do what the Bible says about keeping this dark stuff out of our lives, out of our homes, out of the church, it provides a place where there can be this pure, holy move of God come. 
But if we disobey the Bible and we let this stuff in the church, whether it's sin, whether it's a python spirit, whatever it is, we let stuff in, it's going to bring this death in the pot and it creates a church that is oppressed by demonic spirits. I've been to churches that are oppressed by demonic spirits. I'll say this and I'll close and we'll pray. There was a church that had a lot of potential I was a part of. It was very powerful and had powerful leaders. And I tried to tell some of them I really felt this is just one of, I could give probably about 12 examples, but where the gift of discerning of spirits is totally disregarded. It's just totally nobody. It's like you try to tell people something. They, they don't see it, right? So they just blow it off. I try to tell I really don't feel that some of this stuff is good, you know. But they, they just let it go on. There was this powerful church. It really could have been something. But after a couple of years, there was a, a powerful move of God at first. But there was an oppression that came over that church that was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I remember coming in there, and it was so heavy. It was very difficult to worship, pray, or do anything. In fact, you just kind of wanted to leave, honestly. It was so oppressed. The atmosphere was just locked up. And when we let things go on like that, that we know, you know, false spirits prophesying over people, people laying hands that shouldn't be, sin that's in the camp we know about and we're not willing to deal with it. Before um, Pastor Kilpatrick was telling this story, I never heard it before. He said he first got to Brownsville like in the 80s And he said he was only there for a very short amount of time. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him in his office and said, look, there's there's some sin in this church. And if you don't deal with it, I will no longer be with you here. And he said he felt like kind of making an excuse for himself, like, hey, I just got here, you know. But he said he knew better than to do that. So he was praying about it, and God showed him what it was. And so he called the guy. The guy came to the church and he came in his office and he told him said God showed me that this is in your life and the guy just broke down and started bawling and actually fell on the floor crying and of course pastor sat there with him and led him through repenting getting things right with God but listen to what the Holy Spirit told him there's sin in this church and if you don't deal with it I will no longer be with you here hello when you know when a leader knows that there's unrepentant sin and refuses to deal with it, but lets it go on, God's not going to bless that anymore, is he? And you know what? If he, wouldn't have dealt, if he would not have dealt with that sin in that church, I really believe God would have never sent revival there. God would have had to have found another place to pride his spirit. And I don't want God to pass me by. Amen. All right, so Lord, we thank you for the power of your word tonight. I pray for the grace and wisdom for all those that are intercessors and prayer warriors, those that are going to be used of God in a powerful way, Lord, to to uh, discern if there's any type of a python or a heaviness that's trying to come against them that's not of God, and to break the power of that and rebuke it and stand in faith. And, Lord, for your grace in river of life, and especially in the day and hour we live, Lord, where there's, there's so much with um, the seeker-friendly movement that the whole movement is based on just getting people in there whether they're saved or not, and just kind of letting way, way too much stuff go on. Lord, help us in this time when it seems like everything is flip-flop the way it should be, 
Help us, Lord, to be a church that is going to be holy where you can pour out your spirit. And, Lord, be able to keep things the way you want them to be. In Jesus' name, give us your grace and your wisdom in these days to come. Amen. As I'm going to pray tonight, I felt the Holy Spirit as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You can go ahead and shut down recordings. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. When I went to see a guy, Chuck Pierce, some of you may know who he is. He was hosting a conference. And I was there. I had a dream. I don't normally share my dreams, but I had a dream where, where he was supposed to, him and I were supposed to talk. And uh, so I told him, and he's like, yeah, all right, here it is. And he said, I want this guy to pray for you. And it was um, Paul Key Davis, which was a, a prophetic guy. He's very anointed. I really like his ministry. Anyway, so he goes and gets Paul Key Davis, says, you need to pray for this guy. And so when he prays for me, man, the power of God hit me hard. But he prayed over me and said, Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what we need. That's why Paul said, I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation be in your life, okay? Wisdom and revelation is where we know what's from God and what's not, and we can pick up on the things of God, amen? And also the gift of discerning a spirit. So let's go ahead. If you could maybe play um, that same CD, be fine, I guess. Y'all want prayer tonight? I'm going to pray especially for the young people. But how many would like God to increase the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your life? And also the discerning of spirits. So let's, let's go ahead and do that. We're going to pray for people. We need to stack the chairs, guys, the strong young men, if y'all would help me out. <clears throat> 